Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Let me tell you something. God's on the move. God's on the move. Biggest danger of... uh, being around just repetitive miracles and breakthrough and God doing things is that we can begin to not recognize when something's not common. But I'm telling you, what God's doing uh, is uncommon. It's super. It's supernatural. And I'm telling you what he wants to do and receive this now because he wants you to be a part of it. He is about to break off the religious spirit that causes this valley to stop dreaming, to stop believing, to limit themselves. There's an oppression. And the thing that will try to pull you down in this valley is apathy. The devil would have you be apathetic to the power of God. He would have you be apathetic to the grace that he's given you. He'd have you be apathetic to the Holy Spirit being alive in your soul. And you're able to wheel and deal the Holy Spirit, not just in here, but out of the old paradigms you used to have. Did you know that Hebrews 11:6 says it's impossible to please God without faith? Then the author says, and faith is believing that God is real and he rewards those who diligently seek him. Come on, what a great tithe message, Chris Martindale. I'm telling you, watch and see, watch and see. See what Chris was talking about, he caught something. The Bible says that the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Some of you are waiting for your word to get lo- world to get large to be generous. That's not how the kingdom of God works. It's not how the kingdom of God works. We become generous and we get large. And that principle applies in every area of your life. You need good friendships? Be generous with friendliness. You need, you need a, a, a promotion at work? Be generous with your work. Work harder than the other person. Be excellent in everything you do. Whatever you sow, you reap. And God wants to touch that area of your life. Come on, I feel the Holy Spirit. What's up with the 12 p.m.? 12 p.m. looks like they're hungry. Get ready, get ready, get ready. The Bible talks about the, uh, oh, I forget the number, it's probably nine. I believe it's nine widows, but they, they are, some of them didn't have the oil ready in the lamp. Seven, thank you, seven. Jet lag. Seven widows. Some of them didn't have oil in the lamp. Don't be the Christian when God's getting ready to do a move and we, we didn't step into the oil. I'm not saying that to condemn you. I'm saying God is inviting you. He's inviting you into a move of God. He's inviting you to experience the gospel. The book of Acts is still alive and well. The the power of God is still alive and well. The Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he healed lepers then, he'll heal lepers now. If he healed the sick then, he'll heal now. If he healed the blind then, he'll heal now. If he rose the dead from the grave, he can raise the dead now. He has not changed. Don't let CNN and the news and bad theology confuse you. He 
on the move and he's looking for a people. You don't gotta pray for the harvest. I'm telling you, the harvest is ready. He's looking for the worker. He's looking for the person who will say, you know what, Jesus? I've experienced the love, the forgiveness and grace, and I'm gonna bow a knee, and I'm gonna bow my knee, and I'm gonna say, not my will, but your will be done in my life. Come on, thank you, Jesus. One more time, give him praise. Give him praise. Break the spirit of apathy off of you. Break the spirit of apathy off of your heart. Know that he's with you. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! I'm fired up. I'm fired up. Come on, hit three or four people as you take a seat and just let them know you're fired up too. Tell them I'm fired up. I'm fired up. While you take a seat, could you give it up for our amazing worship team? Wow. Love you guys. Come on back real soon. Come on. So we just got back from eight days in Israel, me and my beautiful bride. Happy birthday, baby. I love you. Forgot it. Both the 830 and the 10, I was so ready to preach this message, but happy birthday. Um, We just got back from the Holy Land, Israel. Can I tell you, you know, you're like, oh, well, no wonder he's all fired up. He just went to the Holy Land. I'm actually, if I was honest, I got fired up when I landed back here in the States. It, it was, I mean, there I definitely, it was life-changing. The Bible becomes alive. You can't deny what God has done with the Jewish people, what God has done. I mean, the historical evidence that points to the gospel is prolific, prolific. I could have spent two months in Israel and still not seeing everything I needed to see. So it was special, but I'm telling you, it's when I landed here that my heart just became alive because because I know this when I was there, that when Jesus went to that cross and he said, it is finished, and he tore the veil at the temple, that no longer does the power of God dwell in a singular place, but it has now become available to the children of God, and it lives inside of us. And so though there are moments of immense awe and appreciation for God, seeing the sights, seeing Mount Carmel where fire fell down, seeing, uh, you know, Gethsemane and the Lake of Galilee, waking up to sunset on the Lake of Galilee. I went on a run, went on a, I was so inspired by the beauty of it, I went on a run, people. I went, you know, now, <laughs> I told somebody, yeah, I ran, I ran around the Lake of Galilee, and they're like, the whole thing? I'm like, no, that's 33 miles. You're crazy, okay? <laughs> but I ran about three, so, I mean, that's a tenth. I tied that run, you know, so. But no, it was just a beautiful trip, and as said before, we're bringing all y'all with us, okay? So... Mark your calendars, not this October, but next October. Start putting a little money aside. It is worth it. Go with your family. It'll change your life. It'll change your life. But when I landed, it's just this overwhelming sense that God put on my heart that he wanted me to bring home and land here and deliver this thought, this thought. And it comes from an old hymn. The title of my message is, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Church, God wants your soul to be healthy. He wants your, above all else, he is interested in that soul being healthy. That salvation that comes into your heart when you put your faith in Jesus, it starts in the soul, then it begins to go through the mind, and then it begins to penetrate even into the body. But it is a, it is a soul transformation, and he wants you to be able to say, it is well with your soul. He wants an army of people that are not swayed by circumstance. Listen, God didn't say give us an easy life, but he did say give us an epic life if we follow him. Okay, easy and epic are different. In fact, it's really hard to have epic if everything's always easy, right? Anyone ever gone to a movie that the whole movie was just all happy stuff? Like a Hallmark movie? Boring, you know? Like I want, sorry, hey, 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 sorry. It's just, my bad, my bad. I've divided the room, okay? Unity commands a blessing, come back, okay? 
I know if you like those Hallmark movies, but I like, I like some tension in a movie. I like, you know, when the, when the alien robot is about to destroy the world, but then the hero rises up, you know, the Terminator. I like the, I like the, the, the epicness of the battle, right? And so God has not promised you easy, but he has promised you epic. And he's also promised you to be blessed as you go. He told you to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But in the moments where storms come, opposition come, waves come, fear come, can we be a church that's able to say, it is well with my soul? And stay the course and know that if if it doesn't look like God, then God must not be done in my life. Can we be a people of faith that understand that? And I want to just give three quick points on how we can make sure that it is well with our soul. What sparked this message was actually when we went to um, the garden tomb, and this is uh, one of the areas they're pretty sure, there's two disputed areas. I'm 100% convinced it's not the one that the Catholic Church has built this big cathedral over. I'm 100% convinced it's over at the garden tomb. There's a mountain cliff that looks like a skull, Golgotha. It's right on the road outside of the main gates of the city, which is where the Romans would crucify people because it was meant to send a message. If you cross Rome, this is what happens to you. And then the tomb was in a garden. Like literally they discovered a garden, a wine press, empty tomb, never been used, or there was nothing in it. It just, you feel it when you're there. And as, I, as the volunteers that come and live there for two months, here's the difference. We went to the, the big Catholic one with all the shrine, not trying to pick on Catholics, but it's just covered with ornate art and gold, and it smells like old burnt candles and, and eggs everywhere. I don't even know what that's about. And then, yeah, eggs everywhere. And then every cross has a anorexic, pathetic looking Jesus on it. And it drives me crazy because the homeboy was a carpenter. He was in construction. Okay. Like he, he wasn't, you know, like every picture, just this weak looking. He was a, he was a man's man. Okay. He looked like Avery. Like he looked like a guy. He looked like Blake. Okay. He looked like me. You know, I, he was a man's man. The laughter, laughed a little too hard. It's a man's man. And also, why is the cross, Jesus ain't on the cross anymore, people. Yeah, he went to the cross, but he ain't on the cross. And he ain't in the tomb. He's alive and well. We wear crosses to remind us of the sacrifice, but he's not on that cross anymore. That's important to know. Too many Christians, we get stuck at the cross. And we're always just coming and, woe is me, I suck again. You know, and then, and then you have these big ornate things and I, and I walked in, I just want to go here for a minute. I walk in to this just shrine and, and old gold idols and I see people lighting candles that they had to pay money for outside the gates and it's like, I'm like, whoa, bro, like don't be, you know, selling things right, you know, like. Jesus had something to say there, but, you know, all these lucky charms, and they're rubbing little rags on the stone that they think that he was, like, uh, wrapped in cloth with, and they're doing all this, and they're rubbing these beads, and I'm like, what is this? What is this? It's rabbit's foot. It's, and it it keeps people at the cross, but there was a resurrection, people. There was a resurrection. There was a resurrection. And before you go and put on Facebook, like, ooh, this church hates Catholic people. No, I, my whole family was raised Catholic, okay? Like, I'm not hating on, but I'm just saying there's, there's relationship. It's not religion. God didn't ask you to walk around and rub a bunch of beads in your hand. He asked you to go lay your hands on the sick and pray for healing and see the power of God. That veil was torn for a reason. You can't, the the home God has picked now is your heart. The Holy Spirit has picked you to inhabit. You are now the temple. 
And yes, I love seeing the historic artifacts, but I'm telling you, I have felt the presence of God as much or more right here on this altar with God because he's with me wherever I go. And God, it just, it's human condition it is well with my soul. Where was I even going with that? Yes. I was in the garden. And, it, and all, you feel it there. This is, there's nothing flashy or ornate. You just, you know this place and you can, you can sense it. And uh, I don't know about you, but, you know, grew up, in, grew up in church. I every now and then like some OG hymns. Anybody OG hymns? Like throw them down once in a while. Let's go. You know, I, I'll go OG hymns. And then I'll even go like 90s, 80s, like Michael W. Smith, Stephen Curtis Chapman. You know what I'm talking about, all you... Half of you have no clue what I'm talking about. Half of you are like, let's go. Our God is an awesome, you know. Okay. But as we're sitting there at the garden tomb and I'm just seeing like, oh my gosh, this is the location. Uh, the guide who's preaching the gospel, he ain't talking about, he's just like trying to get people saved. I'm like, I think most people coming here are like into it, but he's still going for that one person who might've been on the group. He's like, why am I even in Israel? So he's preaching the gospel, doing it brilliantly. And he he talked about Horatio Spofford, and Horatio Spofford was alive in the 1800s. Um, he was a part of the D.L. Moody movement, and he was a very successful businessman that helped fund the ministry of D.L. Moody. And if you want to go back, you can look up D.L. Moody. He was, a, he was a legend. God did a mighty work through him in the city of Chicago. And this wealthy businessman was the one who wrote the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Now, if you just heard that phrase, wealthy businessman, well with my soul, you'd be like, well, yeah, he's going to write that song. He was doing well. It's easy for him to say everything was going good. But if you actually study his life, you'll find that although he recognized that God had ordained him to be a kingdom builder, let's go Pathfinders, okay, and that he would fund the ministry, it wasn't always easy for him. In fact, he lost his entire fortune in the great fire in Chicago, burnt the whole city down. He was a developer, and he was developing blocks and blocks of development, and the fire burnt everything down. He lost everything. But what you'll learn in Pathfinders is that you can be with God in a famine and be way more successful than if you go to another town. So he stayed there. God rebuilt his wealth, and he did the development again. And so after that that going through, losing everything, God restoring him, building his wealth. He decides to take his family on a vacation to Europe. And as they're about to leave, he has a major business thing that comes up and they'd already booked tickets. So he sends his daughters and his wife, his four daughters and his wife ahead of him by four days. They're gonna meet up with D.L. Moody over there. He's gonna preach, it's gonna be awesome. And so they head off and he stays back four days to finish business. And before the Titanic... This was the biggest shipwreck that had ever happened in history, but the ship his family was on crashed into another boat. And all four of his daughters drowned. Only his wife survived. She was holding on to wreckage and a lifeboat found her. And so he gets the worst telegram anyone could get, saying, all is lost. I'm the only one that remains. And he gets on a boat immediately and sails to comfort his grieving wife and grieve with his wife. And as they're sailing, the captain calls him up to the top and he says, Horatio, this is the exact coordinates where the ship went down. This is where your daughters went down. And it's documented and the captain said that he looked at the captain and he said, Captain, it is well with my soul. Got to Europe, he wrote the, writes the famous hymn, it is well with my soul. And what struck me, it was so cool while we were there, now I wanna go back to the garden where the tomb was, is that after Horatio came and he wrote the song, he decides, you know, kind of wrap up business, cash out, and he decides to live in Israel before it was a nation. He moves to the Holy Land and lives there for about eight years. And if you go to Israel, there's the, the walls that surround the city, and you can live on the walls. They build houses around them on them. And the crazy thing and no one knew about this tomb until it was like 1920 when they discovered the skull on the mountain and the tomb. This is before anyone knew the spot. If you look 100 yards from that very tomb where Jesus rose from the dead, you look up on the wall, 
And that's where Horatio lived for eight years. The profoundness of the fact that as he went there to recover and to heal, he would look out his balcony every day and he was staring at the very spot where Jesus did what he wrote about in that song. God's just cool like that. It rocked me. If you go, it would definitely rock you. It might have rocked you already. But here's my point, is God wants a mighty church. That, and I'm not trying to bring that. That's kind of a downer story. This is not a downer message. But the point is, is that no matter what comes at you, if you have the reality of Jesus in your life and he is actively working in your life, you can look at any situation and be able to say, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. And God wants to raise up a church of people that they're not just, it's not lip service. They mean it. It is well. Why was it well with his soul? Because although it hurt now, it wasn't goodbye. It was see you soon. Horatio knew he would see all four of his daughters again. Horatio knew at the bottom of his soul that this is temporary and that he'll be reunited with his four beautiful baby girls. But he didn't become a hermit and just settle down. That's the beautiful thing about when, when it is well with your soul. God, although he doesn't cause tragedy and cancer and terrible things to happen, that's not his nature, he's good. But whatever bad comes, the Bible says in Romans 8, 28, that he can begin to bring beauty from ashes. He can begin to bring something good while you're here on earth, grow something good out of the place of extreme pain and loss, and you know that everything gets restored and wrapped up on the other side of eternity. That is, you've got to have, or it is well with your soul. So how do we keep our souls healthy? I want to give three quick points. Okay, first, you've got to have wells to be well. You've got to have wells to be well. Let me explain. John 4, 9 through 16. Jesus is taking a hike like he did. By the way, when you go to Israel, you realize Jesus was like a marathon runner. Like he walked a lot. Homeboy was walking big distance. So he decides to take a shortcut through Samaria, which I don't blame him because I'd take every shortcut I could with how much he walked. And he goes through Samaria where Jews didn't go because they thought the Samaritan people were outcasts. They'd been, they'd been removed from God's family. And so he goes and he's thirsty, stops at a well in the middle of the day and he encounters a lady. By the way, the Bible's always intentional. When it tells you times and dates and stuff, there's usually something behind it. To go to the well in the middle of the day, people didn't do that. Why? Because it's the desert and it's hot. And you'd go in the morning and in the evening because you had to carry big jugs of water back to your house. So it was uncommon for someone to be there at this time of day. But this lady walks up and Jesus asks her for a drink of water and here's what she says. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And then, of course, good answer. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never have to be thirsty again. And pay attention to this part. And I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I'm going to pause right here. There's a reason. So Jesus heard her voice. Then I'll never have to walk up here again. Why don't you want to walk up here? Jesus sees dysfunction. He sees hurt. So he says, hey, go get your husband. If you read on, she says, I don't, got a, I don't have a husband. He says, I know. You've had five husbands, and the guy you live with right now ain't your husband. He didn't say it with judgment or condemnation. He just said a fact. I know what's going on in your world. 
I know why you come here at noon instead of in the morning. Because you're embarrassed and you're ashamed and people have rejected you. I'm here to meet with you because my living water is going to flow into that area. See, the well, yeah, that's good. There was a lack in her world. There was a brokenness in her world, and God wanted to bring the refreshing of his love and grace, his water, to that area. You've got to have wells to be well. Now, here at Awaken Church, we're really big at, unapologetically, we're going to try to keep pushing you to the wells. That's what we do, okay? We don't want you to be a... uh, a bench warmer and just come on a Sunday and fill a seat and be like, cool, good message. Now I'm going to go about my life. No, we actually want to push you to begin to come to the wells because God has set up wells in your life where you can, where his love and refreshing can come. We have wells like connect groups. Connect groups are a really good well. You're like, oh, here he goes, plugging connect groups again. No, but here's the deal. Hear me on this. It's not like we one day had a bunch of people that came to us and said, you know what, I've got a living room and nobody comes over to my living room, so I'd really love to just have you tell people to come to my house twice a month and that way my living room's not empty. No, that's not it. In fact, most of our connect group leaders are already leaders in church and they got plenty going on, but they open up their house. Why? Because it's a well. It's a place where like-minded people are actually chasing after God. And the Bible is really clear that we're not meant to do Christianity alone. That's why the Bible says that if, you're, uh, if you confess to Jesus, you're forgiven, but you confess to one another to be healed. All right, some Bible scholars in the room. Let's go. Bible says we confess to one another to be healed. That just means we're meant to do life in community. Do it together. Why? Well, there's a lot of reasons why, but let me start with one really simple one. How do you see a blind spot? You can't. By definition, if it's your blind spot, it's the spot in your life you don't recognize. So by definition, you need somebody else to come in because you think you got all together. You read a verse, don't, you know, thou shalt not whatever. And you're like, oh, I got this figured out. But other people in your world who love you, hopefully, and care for you might be like, are you sure? (laughs) Really? You know, because like, I love you. Like Jesus did with this lady. He's like, you know, she wants the living water. And he's like, okay, go get your husband. And he's just, he's using, matter of fact, he's pointing out, hey, you're at this well because you're hiding from the dysfunction and the pain. And he knows that she's been looking for love in all the wrong places. And he knows her heart. And he's trying to pull her into healing. That's what the wells do is that God can bring refreshing. People are meant to bring refreshing. And listen, not everyone at every connect group is perfect right? Some people are working it out. And if any of you ever get to perfection, then you, like, let us know, because you can have my job. (laughs) Like, you're, but no, all of us are working it out. And so some people, you know, but ultimately, we've got connect groups there at the well. We've got prayer, men's and women's prayers. We want to bring you to the well and teach you that you have authority to pray with authority and power and actually break down strongholds. We've got DNA where you learn about who you are in Christ and you learn about the culture of, of his church. And then we've got teams you can get involved in because Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And so you begin to serve, and, you, and as you serve, God begins to refine the gifting in you, and you'll see that God begins to highlight, wow, you're really, you gift of hospitality, wow, gift of this, gift of that, coordination, organization, whatever. God begins to pull things out of you. We've got conferences where you have these awesome encounters with God, and God just brings his presence and words that level you up. We've got trips to Israel and, and our orphanages down in Baja and Peru and all that. We've got Awaken You, Pathfinders. Come on. We got four services on a week. Any given week, there are four services. Okay? There's anybody can coordinate their calendar to be at a service a week. Okay? And then we've got productions like Hero and Twisted. What's the point? These aren't just things because we're worried that your calendar's not full. Yeah. We're no, we've never had, you know, I'm worried that my church doesn't have enough to do. So we just want to put lots of stuff. No, not at all. We're creating these wells where you can come and get refreshing and get the breakthrough 
because God wants to do a thing. And you'll find that as you begin to drink from these wells, you'll see that issues, cycles, you'll become a cycle breaker. Issues that keep coming up. Why do I keep dating the same person? Different name, same person, you know, for you single people. You know, some of us have been there. You know, why, why is it that no matter how much I make, it seems like I'm always at the end of the month struggling, you know? It's all these repetitive cycles. You'll begin to see issues get dealt with. You'll begin to see barrenness turn to fruitfulness. Barrenness return to fruitfulness. Brokenness turn into healing. Lack turn to prosperity. <gasps> I said the P word in church. No, but that's the Bible. You'll begin to see lack turn into prosperity. Beloved, I pray you prosper even as your soul prospers. You'll begin to see darkness turn to light. Come on, point number two. We got to build gardens instead of shrines. We got to build gardens instead of shrines. It's human nature when we have an encounter with something holy, something powerful. It's just human nature. We begin to try to create some kind of shrine or system or idol so we can somehow return to that moment because it was special and powerful. I see this happen with Christians. I got saved at a, at a Toby Mac concert. And now they're like, every time Toby Mac's in town, it's like, I have to no matter what, be it because maybe <laughs> we create this thing where we think that we have to go back to the same place. But the gospel is moving forward. The gospel's moving forward. That doesn't mean that place wasn't significant. But if you just stay at the last encounter, if you got saved at a Bethel concert, and now every year you have to do a pilgrimage to Bethel. I'm not knocking on Bethel. I love their worship. But, oh, I got saved at this conference, and so I go to conferences all the time because I just got, it's, it's just repetitive. And God says, no, 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 no. What I wanted you to do is not build a shrine or an altar, or a place where you'd get stuck, I wanted you to put it in your heart, because your heart is like a garden. I wanted you to take what I did and put it in your heart. Anything you put in your heart will begin to multiply. You put unforgiveness in your heart, I'll never forgive them for what they did. You just dropped a seed in your heart, and you're not gonna, time won't heal. Time will make you bitter, and more angry, and more upset, and you'll be drinking poison and hoping the other person gets sick. You put, you put unforgiveness in your heart. You put bitterness in your heart. You put lust in your heart. Bible says that if you're looking lustfully, you're already going down the path. In your heart, you've already committed adultery. Our heart is a garden. Whatever seeds we put in it begins to grow. So when God encounters you, when God shows up in an area, when God shows up from a minister, don't begin to put that person or that place or that thing as an idol, but take what he did and put it in your heart. So when you come to the next God encounter or the next thing, or you're out there at the grocery store and the Holy Spirit tells you to pray for some of his groceries or whatever it is, that this thing's in your heart and you're like, I saw God do this here, so now I know he can do it here. This is human nature though. It's so easy to do. What did the Israelites do when Moses went up for 40 days and was encountering God on Mount Sinai right in the Ten Commandments? What did they do? Built a golden calf. Why, why does God put in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not build any idols or, or have any graven, it says, any graven images of me, even images of God. He said, don't, don't do that. Don't do that because you'll replace me for the image. Peter, I love Pete, dirty Pete. That's what I always call him. <laughs> That's how he introduced himself. He said, God, I am a, I'm a bad dude. He made Jesus say, I am a sinful man. So Dirty Pete, okay? <laughs> dirty Pete gets to go with James and John up to a mountain, and I want to pick up right here. They go up to the mountain, and Jesus has this awesome encounter. But look at Peter's response. As the man watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Pretty sick moment. Pretty cool. Dirty Pete's like, all right, what do I do? So here we go. Peter explained, Lord, this is wonderful that you're here. I love Peter. He just talks before he thinks. Like he just, it he could have just chilled and like let the thing go, but no, he, he's got to interject. Ready, fire, aim. That's Peter. And I relate to him. Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters or tabernacles in the Hebrew as memorials for you and for Moses and for Elijah. See his gut level response? 
But Jesus didn't bring Peter up there. You have to understand, the conversation right before this at the bottom of the mountain was he said, who do people say I am? And Peter gets it right this time, speaks his mouth, but nails it, okay? He says, you're the Messiah. Jesus goes, bingo. And on that, I will build my church. And then he takes Peter up to this mountain. Why? He wanted to show Peter what you said, that's real. What you said, that's real. That really happened. Not so Peter would keep pilgrimaging up the mountain and stay on the mountain. Know that so when Peter got down and he faced the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin and the Jewish people saying, we know your Jesus isn't the real God, he'd say, no, I know he's the real God because I saw what happened and I put it in my heart and I've seen what he can do and I've seen him walk with Moses and Elijah. We don't build, we don't build monuments, tabernacles. There's nothing wrong with, like I said, we build church buildings, but they're altars. They're not shrines, they're altars. When I walked into the shrines and all the 500-year-old gothic big buildings, you know what I smelled? Burnt wax. Burnt wax in the holy, because they light them with candles, right? The Holy Spirit said, burnt wax, something that once brought light and now is extinguished. Now is extinguished. If you keep going back, God has new mercies every single day. He doesn't want you to camp at the last thing he did. He wants you to put it in your heart so it begins to grow fruit in your life so you have the faith for the next thing he's going to do. Amen. That was good preaching. Thank you, Pastor Matt. I'll drink to that. We can bring the keys up. I'm going to land the plane right now. Last point to make sure it is well with your soul. You need to know this about the way God moves and works. All things start in darkness and then move to light. The Hebrews believe the day starts at sundown. So at sundown, it's the next day. It's really cool, actually, if I was honest, because you're, you're prepping. But they, they get that all the way from Genesis 1, verse 1 through 3. Because it says, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless, empty, and darkness covered the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And he said, let there be light. See, when God wants to move in your world, he'll step into the darkness first to begin to bring light. See, that's the problem with religion. Religion says, light yourself up, and then maybe God will come. But the gospel says, you can't do it. It's, it's, it's offensive. It comes to you and it says, look at God's holiness. Look at his perfection. Look at his perfectness. Look at his power. The universe, we can't even count. We've gone from like, you know, ooh, there's a, a countable amount of stars, but there's a lot to, oh my gosh, you could never count the stars. Now they're saying you can't even count the universes, like multiverse, Marvel stuff, right? We keep realizing this thing is bigger and bigger and bigger than we thought. And the almighty God with one word spoke it into existence and gave us 10 simple things to do. And we can't even do that in our own strength. That's, and so what do we do? God said, well, I love you, but I'm just and holy. And so what I'll do is I'll sin. First, I'll require sacrifice so you understand that sin also requires punishment. So many people say, well, I'm not a Christian because look at all the bad things that happen in the world. And then they're like, how could God punish people? Pick, pick which one you want. Do you want justice or mercy? But God sits in both. He loves you and he requires justice. He loves you and he requires justice. So what did he do? He sent the one and only who could make the trade. Justice was dealt. That's why Jesus says on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because for the first time in history, an innocent man became sin. There was an exchange. His purity was nailed to that cross so that you could make an exchange. He became your sin, and there's an exchange. He gives you his purity. That's the gospel. Why am I saying that? Because he started in your darkness, but he doesn't stop there. You know, when you get saved, 
a lot of times Christian will say, and I understand the heart behind it, like, now that you're saved, it's not about you anymore. But the truth is, God is so good and he's such a good father. It's, he always seems to make it about you. Because he doesn't just redeem you from your sin, but then he says, now all the residue, all the stinking thinking, all the cycles that were passed down through generations in your family, I'm gonna begin to heal those things. So not only are you, your eternity is set in heaven, but you're gonna start to see heaven invade your earth through you and on you. All things start in darkness. Here's the problem. John 3, 19, 20 says this. We don't like our dark areas being exposed. It's, it's our nature because we weren't designed to have sin. We weren't designed to have shame. And when shame comes on us, our tendency is to hide. Adam and Eve, what's the first thing they did? They made coverings for themselves. For the first time they felt shame. And so it says this, and judgment is based on this fact. God's light came in the world. But people loved the darkness. Amen. People loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. And all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near, for fear their sins will be exposed. You see, it's not in our nature to be vulnerable, to, be, to let God into the darkness, but it's where he wants to start. I just believe that God wanted me to tell you that he wants you to be able to say it as well with your soul. But if there's areas of darkness that you don't want to let him in, then he's a gentleman. He will, he will come in to darkness and bring light. He's not afraid of your darkness. In fact, he's, the funny thing is we're embarrassed to let God in, but he already knows. Like the lady at the well, she's like, she instantly tries to change the subject when he's talking about the five husbands. And she's like, well, the prophet said, isn't it? And he's like, no, 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 hey, I came here for you. Don't worry about that. I came here for you. God's not afraid of your darkness, but he doesn't want to leave you in the darkness. I'm gonna ask everyone to bow their head and close their eyes. We're gonna go into some time of ministry. But first, I want to give people the opportunity. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, as the one who took your place on that cross and paid the price for your sin, for your guilt, and your condemnation, if you don't know him as that, and you've never put your faith in him to forgive you fully and completely of all your sin, of all your failure, Friend, that's the where it starts. Everything with God moves from darkness to light. He wants to make a trade with you. And it's really easy. The Bible says if you'll admit that you need a Savior and you'll believe that Jesus came and really came, really died, really rose from the dead for you, that he'll come into your life and he'll bring light into darkness and you will actually become a new person. Your soul will be in right standing with God and then you'll be working from love, not for love. And you're not trying to earn your salvation anymore. You're just trying to experience it. And so if that's you and you don't know Jesus, with head bowed and eyes closed, I'm just gonna ask you in a minute to put your hand up real quick. Once I've seen it, you can put it down. But I wanna include you in a prayer today and lock that in. So if that's you... You need to come to Jesus today. Just one, two, three. Put your hand there real quick. Once I've seen it, you can put it down. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I see that hand. Anyone else? All right. Why don't you look up at me real quick? Church, let's stand to our feet real quick. If you raised your hand, I want you to pray this prayer, and we're all going to pray it out loud together, and if you didn't, but you should have, say this prayer from your heart, and watch what God will do, but let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, this afternoon, I come to you, and I believe that you died on that cross for my sin. I repent of my sin, 
thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. Come into my life, transform me, and heal me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on. If you prayed that prayer, if you prayed that prayer right here is the friendly, amazing Bethany. She has a gift for you. She wants to pray with you real quick. We have a book called Following Jesus, helps you walk this thing out, as well as a Bible. So come over here after service. Don't jet out until you've talked to her. And now, for the rest of us real quick, I felt that I wanted this message to go somewhere. Some of us, you're saved. You know who Jesus is. But if you were honest, there's areas that are robbing your soul from being well. Maybe it's a secret sin that you're struggling with that you're not talking to anyone about. Maybe it's unforgiveness. There's somebody you never forgave or maybe you can't forgive yourself. Maybe you need to forgive God. Unforgiveness. Maybe there's bitterness in your heart. Offense. But God wants to wash you with that living water. Take away that thing. Wash you clean. Sometimes people don't, don't pray because they're like, well, what if I do it again? Then you come back to him and you let him wash you again at that well. You keep coming back until all that washing begins and, you, and your soul is well because he wants a group, a group, a church, a people that no matter what the circumstance, they can say it is well with my soul because the external can be chaos or bliss, but internally I'm free, I'm clean. And God doesn't want you to walk around with toxic things for your soul. So I'm gonna ask everyone to just close their eyes. I'm gonna invite the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, right now, if there's anything that's toxic, it makes us feel disqualified from your love. It's causing bitterness and rage and pain in our heart and unforgiveness. Right now, will you bring that to our recollection? Will you bring that to the surface? Thank you. I'm just going to start bringing things to you. Here's the secret sauce. Jesus is standing at the well and he says, son, daughter, I'll wash you. I'll clean you. I'll take that from you right now. Will you give it to me? And just out of respect for people, if you need to give something to God right now, maybe it's forgiveness, maybe it's a sin that you've been showing, but if you're just saying, if you're bringing this to Jesus right now, we lift your hands in the air because we're gonna begin to touch you. Lots of people, lots of people. Here's what we're gonna do. The band's gonna play this song that's playing behind me real quick. They're just gonna do the bridge. But the bridge says, it is well. It is well with my soul. And as you now have your hand up and you're giving that thing to God, if God brings something to mind, give it to God. And then I want you to prophetically sing this chorus. Sing it from the bottom of your heart. Tell, tell, just sing over your soul. It is well. It is well with my soul because Jesus has paid the price for that thing. He has washed you. He has forgiven you. And he has set you free. Come on, band. Let's sing this real quick.
we declare that the goodness of God, that your grace and your love and your mercy wash over every area of our life, Lord, that we would not allow areas of our life to live in darkness, but we would bring those to you so that you can bring light and life and wash us clean. A people that can say, no height, no depth, no, no high nor low can interrupt the fact that it is well with our soul. And we know that you win. You win in our life. You win in our, our finances. You win in our child. You win in our kids. You win in our world. Thank you for the power that goes with us right now in the name of Jesus. We declare breakthrough. We declare healing. And we declare the blessing of God over your children in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.